0: It's good to be with you today, how wonderful it is to have another day to live and to rejoice in and celebrate and uh, as we share together today, I just trust the Holy Spirit indeed will be driving your thoughts and enabling you to realise just the wonder of the God that we have. It's very interesting to me that uh, if we could just wipe the slate clean today, the whiteboard clean and have the whole blank picture just like the screen there at the moment, and realize that before anything ever existed, there was God. And that God is called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe and call it the Trinity. And those three, as they lived their lives before the world ever began, they had an amazing relationship of love and peace and joy and unity and oneness. And and when we call God holy, uh, an aspect of that holiness is that when you look at them you see amazing oneness between the three of them that they never have an argument never have a fight they know how to love and give their love one to the other and in their amazing trinity they live the father son and holy spirit some people sometimes say that god got lonely so he had to create mankind that's not 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 uh, option because he was never lonely he was father son and holy spirit and then he decided then, the three of them, and it says, when you read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that word God in the Hebrew is a word Adonai, which means plural God. Right from the beginning, the very Hebrew word for God was plural. Uh, and uh, we realize here that we have a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The only God in the world where you have three in one. And, uh, you know, whether it be uh, Muhammad and the Muslim religion and all the rest of them, they all have a God, some of them, some have many gods like the Hindus, but we are the only one who has three in one who live in relationship, in the dynamic of relationship. Now that lays amazing foundation for us because what happened was the Father, Son and Holy Spirit together agreed that they would create man in our image, in the likeness of man he created them. So what what does that mean? Does that mean that we can remove mountains, that we can walk on water, that we can do miracles? No, no. What it means, when we're made in the image of God, it means that we can come into the same intimacy that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit live in every day of their life. And how beautiful, wonderful that is. Of course, you've been around churches long enough and read enough of your Bible to know that when God created man and woman, things kicked off quite well. But when you get to Genesis 3, you realise that uh, unfortunately uh, we find that Adam and Eve started to kick the wrong goals. And uh, they they decided when the devil said, the trouble with God is holding out on you guys. It's time you uh, sort of ate of the tree and don't listen to all that stuff he goes on about. And uh, so they ate of the, the, the tree And, of course, then came the brokenness of separation. uh, The brokenness of a relationship is the word I'm after between God and his children. And then we see the amazing thing that happens is that a lot of people say that God can't look on sin. That is totally false. If that was so, how did the incarnation ever happen? How did God become man into sinful man, as Romans 8, 4 says? As he says in John 1, he became flesh. That means he entered into our brokenness and lived a life in love with his father to show us how in our brokenness we can have victory in our lives day by day. And so that what we see is God comes walking into the garden and where's all Adam and Eve? Well, Adam and Eve are hiding. You know, they've tried to cover up. You know, if any of us know anything about fig leaves, they're not comfortable as part of your underwear. They're very prickly and they're having a few problems in that area of life. And what we find here is that uh, God calls out, Adam, where are you? And, uh, of course, Adam and Eve are hiding. You know the rest of the story. I haven't got time to give you any more. You read it for yourself in Genesis 3. But what I'm trying to say to you today, for every one of you, is where are you? Where are you this morning? And that's a, a key question because it's very fascinating to me that after Jesus was on earth, lived, loved, died, rose again, ascended. It's very interesting that there was quite a lot of confusion in early Christianity in the early centuries. And so a man called Athanasius was a key player in that time in the 4th century. And of course they set up some creeds to help us to make sure we didn't lose the richness of what that relationship of the Trinity is all about. And let me just read to you the first couple of lines of the Apostles' Creed in the Nicene Creed. And it says here, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Let me read the first couple of lines of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. Isn't it amazing when we want to hold to a, the clear truth of what our, who our God is all about? He's called our Father, God our Father. How beautiful is that? You know when I think of the Old Testament there are so many names for God I've got a book at home with all the names for God in the Old Testament and uh, it fills virtually an A4 page and yet when you come to the New Testament there's only one name for God and it's Father. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach us to pray he said you pray our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name. How powerful Are these truths, and what we need to realise today is that as we come this morning, we've got to realise when those words are spoken to us, uh, Adam, where are you? Richard, Mick, Pat, Rowley, Peter, whoever you are, where are you? The question is today, every one of us sitting here, where are you in your relationship with God? Well, I want to tell you, you are if you're in Christ today. You are in intimacy with God you go to Ephesians 1 you're in Christ you're in Christ you're in Christ if you go to Ephesians 2 you are right now seated in heavenly places in Christ as Ephesians 2 says and you begin to realize how rich and precious that is in other words when God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit created this world they decided to incorporate into their richness of of life Uh, the human race and the word Adam means that the human race and so we are included in intimacy with God and and so today we have a God who loves us in a profound and deep way and I want to talk about that being in Christ today and just what it means it's very easy for us to say well God is always with us well that's okay but the word of God tells you very clearly you're in Christ you're in Christ and when you get to 2 Corinthians 5:14, we read these words here, which is so rich and powerful for us to think about. It says this, in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Therefore, anyone, any, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. How amazing and beautiful that is! So, as you and I sit here today, how. What, what is your relationship with God this morning? And I want to just walk that through with you today. And there's a new translation that's in the process of being developed now called the Passion Translation of the Bible. It's still just in various book forms. So you can go and buy Song of Songs. You can go in the latest Quran catalogue. You'll see the latest one of them in your front page of Quran catalogue on Romans. And this is a translation of a man who's been a Bible translator for many years He's been with the New Tribe Missions. He's planted a church in New England, United States, and uh, a thriving church there. He's been a man who believes it's time. The Bible was written in a way that when we take the Hebrew and the Greek, we not only bring out a truth in it, but we bring out the fact of how relational is that God who lives within you and I. And so what I'm going to do in these few moments we've got together today, I'm going to take you through the Song of Songs. And I hope you know exactly who you are this morning. When it says, who are you? I wonder what your response is in your heart this morning. And uh, just before we get into that song of songs, I just want to read to you a little comment that I had on my desk calendar a few months ago. And on my desk calendar, it says, one day while Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, Eve turned to Adam and Eve said to Adam, darling, do you love me? And Adam looked at Eve and says, yes, you know I love you. Who else could I love? (laughs) Now, that's a typical male comment, isn't it? We really burn our bridges pretty badly, don't we? You know, who else can we love? But what I want you to realize right now is that question is now yours. Do you love me? And the question is, is that there is a Heavenly Father whose love is so profound for you, we call it in the Hebrew the hesed love, that is the unconditional love, We look into Romans 8 and we see in there that nothing can separate us from the love of God. How loved do you feel this morning? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How loved are you this morning? And do you know how much your father loves you? Well, a song of songs is, a lot of people say it's just a love song between a man and a woman, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I disagree with that. There's far more depth to that than we realise. So in this Song of Songs, what I want you to realise, when it comes to our Christian faith, when the question is asked, who else could I love? We need to open up the book of Song of Songs and we find a moving story between a lover and a beloved. It's a most amazing story. This Song of Songs describes a journey that every longing lover of Jesus will find as his or her own. In this story of the Song of Songs, This book speaks of the heart of God for his longing bride. And we see this description coming out, of course, in Revelation as well, that we are called the bride of Christ and that Christ is called the bridegroom. We see this intimacy and how that love feast will take place in the book of Revelation. And so hidden within this Song of Songs is an amazing story. It's a story of how God makes his bride beautiful, Right now, our Heavenly Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working to bring us and make us beautiful. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. How beautiful of that. And not only is he making his bride beautiful, he's making them holy by casting out fear with that perfect love that he gives to us. Perfect love casts out fear. And we read about that in 1 John. You know, it's a beautiful thing this morning. It's a powerful thing. It's a life-transforming thing for every one of us. I don't care how young or how old you are, and I'm probably one of the oldest ones here. It's a heaven-sent revelation that with all its intensity, with all of its power, to unlock the deepest places of our hearts, it speaks of the things that God has spoken over your life and mine. And so when you hear these words from the Song of Songs, I want you to hear them. I want you to think what they mean. How good it is that they are so true for you and I this morning. And as we open this book we're going to be introduced to two characters particularly. The Shulamite woman and we're going to and the other one is a lover who is God the king. And in this it's very interesting. The book was written, we believe by Solomon and when we open up this book it's interesting to note the Hebrew word for the Shulamite and uh, The Hebrew word for Solomon are taken from the same Hebrew root word. It's interesting, the connection between the Shulamite and the word Solomon. One masculine, the other feminine. And we are in one spirit with our king. So as you think of this Shulamite woman, and we think of the one who is a great lover, which is God himself, we realize that there's a union there that is profound and rich and beautiful. Now, it's interesting that... um, one of our great uh, Christian writers of years gone by, he, he said, he made a statement and he said this. He said that the one word that sums up the whole of our Christianity is a word union. It's a union between you and God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's a marriage between us and this beautiful one called our Trinity, our Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And how beautiful is that? God created us for union with himself, and that's the purpose of your life and mine, to be living daily in union with him. In that John 4, 16, it tells you and I that God is love. It doesn't say that a characteristic of God is love. It says that God is love. That's a very total being of God, I should put it that way. And that's what God is. God is love. And when we think about that, living in awareness of our belovedness is the very axis around which the Christian life revolves. Everything about me this morning is the very fact that our God of love has come and entered into my being. And so I hear in those beautiful words of John 14, 20, the, I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. In other words, there's this great oneness, this great union as uh, the great authors of... Years ago I said this unity that is amazing, that binds us together. Being the Beloved is my identity today. It's your identity today. Being the Beloved is our identity. The very core of your existence and mine. It's a name by which God knows us and the way he relates into your life and mine. It's very fascinating. We haven't got time to talk about it today. But if you go to Revelation 2.17, we read about a white stone and a new name written on it. And this is a secret communion of love between Christ and his beloved. And you can go into the depth of that and study it for yourself. Our identity is that we are the ones who are greatly loved. There is no power in this world like love. There's nothing that can change your life like love can change you. And we're not talking about Hollywood love. We're not talking about even our little understanding of love. We're talking about a love that's so deep and profound. This foundation of our true self is found in the love that God has for you and I, that you and I are loved by our Heavenly Father. Listen to Isaiah 43, 1 and 4, Isaiah fifty-four ten. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by, mine, by your name. You are mine. You are precious in my eyes because you are honored and I love you. The mountains may depart, the hills may be shaken, but my love for you will never leave you and my covenant peace with you will never be shaken. It is God who calls us by name and he shares with us his love. You and I can divine ourselves radically as one beloved of God. So as we take hold of this little book of Song of Songs, And in this particular translation, I want you to just to sit there. I wonder if we were to take a little test as to how much you understand that love of God and how he loves you. I'm sure uh, all of us would come up wanting. But, you know, there's amazing things. We had some young ones here in the first service. Our little character was in his little uh, bassinet here and he had his Superman gear on. I reckon he's probably a couple of months old at best, was he? something like that, and I think, wow, wow, isn't that amazing, that little man, that little superman, and his mum and dad were sitting there beside him and looking down, and I'm sure their love for that little superman was just amazing. Well, I want to tell you right now, there are supermen and women all over this building, every one of you who are in Christ, and right now, you and I think that we love our children, you and I think that we love, but the word of God says, if an earthly father knows how to give good, good gifts to his children. How much more, I love those words, how much more your heavenly father will good, give good gifts to all those who love him. How amazing, how true. Well, come with me on this journey. You can close your eyes. You can meditate on these words. This is straight from the scriptures of Song of Songs, chapter one. Listen, this is the, the lover talking to you and I, the beloved. Listen to what he's saying to you this morning. Listen, my radiant one, chapter 1, verse 8. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens, your cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. There you'll find me, my dearest one. Let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. Hey, you knew that was coming, didn't you? You hear God sitting up there say, I am so thrilled with you. You're receiving that, aren't you? No worries. It comes naturally, doesn't it? We, we, we tend to hold back, don't we? But here it is. And it says very clearly, let me tell you how I see you. You're so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are glow. Your earrings and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty, encircling, encircling you with our golden reins of love you'll be marked with our redeeming grace. Isn't that amazing? What a privilege to be with all these super people this morning, that you are super sons and super daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But let me take you, That's only the opening words of this Song of Songs. Take you to chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, Arise, my dearest. This is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords me to us this morning. Hurry, my darling. Come along with me. I've come as you have asked to draw you to my heart, to lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. Wow, you know God just sits up there and he calls you beautiful. You know that, don't you? That's how he sees you. That's how beautiful. An earthly father can look down at his little superman and, and look at it, that little child and say, wow, you are so precious. But our heavenly father, he is so more deeply profound than that. And here we see it. And listen to this. The seasons change. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the seasons of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny, breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of flowers whispers, there's change in the air. Arise, my darling, my beautiful companion. Run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to rise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. What amazing way of expressing things. I was reading the other day how much we've allowed Greek thinking to get into our Christianity. And the Greek, if you're very aware of it, there's a famous painting of a bird cage with a bird inside And the Greeks are saying the only time you'll find freedom is when that door gets open and you can fly out of that. And when you leave this earthly physical being, that's when you find your freedom. I tell you, that is not what the Hebrew mind says. The Hebrew mind says that you and I right now are experiencing the fullness of the God, of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We don't want just a pie in the sky when we die. We want a steak on our plate while we're waiting. And let's be honest about it. You know, I often say to people, is the journey worth it? All the pain and suffering you got to go through, is the journey worth it? What you've got to realize is God wants to be God to you and I now. He wants his love shed abroad in our hearts so we know that we're loved, that it's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. And how beautiful is that? Let me take you to chapter 4, verse 3 and 5. Listen to what he says to you. Your lips are lovely as Rahab's scarlet ribbon. Speaking mercy, speaking truth, the words of your mouth are as refreshing as Oasis. What pleasure you bring to me. I see your blushing cheeks open like the halves of a pomegranate, showing through your veil of tender meekness. When I look at you, I see your inner strength. Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa. Wait on. You mean to say God is up there looking down and seeing my inner strength? i i i'm the weak one i'm the frail one i'm the one who sins i'm the one who who walks away like adam did back there in the garden in genesis chapter three and i and yet you say i have inner strength yes you have because you're in christ and christ is in you you've seen the father then you've seen me and we walk in unity together when i look at you i see your inner strength You know, one of the sad things of Christianity, and I realize I have been as guilty as any other preacher, we say we can't do this, we can't do that. We are not, we are not, we are not, we are not. And when you walk out of church, you say, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I have sinned. I'm this, I'm that. When God is saying it in your heart and mind, you're my child, you touch my car and I smash your face. That's my God. That's how much he loves you and I. You listen, when I look at you, I see your inner strength, so stately and strong. You are secure as David's fortress. Your virtues and grace cause a thousand famous soldiers to surrender to your beauty. Remember the word of God says, and people will see the beauty of you, his children, and they will flock to to you. They will come and want that Christianity that is bursting out from within you because of your love affair with your lover. And it goes on to say, your pure faith and love rest over your heart as you nurture those who are yet infants. Yes, it's a beautiful privilege as we journey through this broken world to be loved by a God where the Word of God says, and you know it very well, Romans 8, what can separate you from the love of God? Tell me what it is. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. You've read that a thousand times. What can separate you from the love of God? Absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God. Well, let me take you on just a little bit further. We're not only going to be witnesses to those who are around about us, but we're going to go on further in chapter 4, verse 9-11. And this is what the great lover, God, our God, is saying, you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I'm undone by your love. Hey, come on. You're hanging in on this one? You look at him and he sees your eyes and he's just, he is butter in your hands. Your great God loves you to that extent. Your great God thinks of you so much greater and higher than you even think of yourself. How beautiful is that? It says, "I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride." God has drawn us in Christ. As it says in Ephesians 2, he has taken us in Christ and seated us with Christ in heavenly places in the Trinity. Right now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and us are in a personal love affair, and what amazing journey it is for us here on earth. My beloved, my equal, you leave me breathless. I'm overcome by merely a glance. From your worshipping eyes, you've stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to you, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling, and your sweet perfume praises so, exalted, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey, for I, promise, for I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshipping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. How beautiful is this relationship that you and I now live as Christians today. How very precious. And as I think about that, I want you to realize that many Christians are living. I see it all over our Western culture. I see it all over our Christianity. We are a negative gospel. We are preaching We you are not, you are not, you are not. Instead of saying you are, you are, you are, you are, you are a child of God. And many Christians have such an artificial identity that the liberating truth of our belovedness fails to break through. We are people who have shame driving our lives and guilt and fear and and loss of identity just like Adam had in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. We become grim as Christians and fearful and legalistic. We hide our pettiness. We wallow in guilt. We huff and puff to impress God. We scramble for brownie points. We try to fix ourselves and live such a joyless Christianity. Like, you I mean, with all due respect, as one old lecturer used to say in our theological college, you haven't got the power to blow the hair off a peanut. And uh, I used to sit there and grin at him and never forgot that saying. You know, sometimes as Christians, we don't realise who we are. We are so loved by God. And in 1 John 3, 1, think of the love the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called God's children, and that is what we are. You want me to read that verse again? 1 John 3.1 Think of the love the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called God's children and that is what we are. It's not a pie in the sky when you die. It's right here and now. I live with a Father who loves me and pours his whole being into me. Repent and believe the gospel, Jesus said. Turn away from all the false things. I've just been across America, spent a whole month. I've been to Las Vegas we saw the alcohol, the gambling, and the sex that just pervades a whole of that, a modern Babel. I went to Salt Lake City, and I saw the Mormons with their golden picture of Jesus in the front, and they don't know Jesus if they fell over him, because it all works and works, and you being good enough to keep the commandments, and you might get there if you keep trying. It is the biggest heresy that you can have. Which is the worst, a Las Vegas or a Salt Lake City? And one Christian says, I think Salt Lake City takes it because you present a false Jesus and you destroy the most powerful thing in the world. Beloved, the world is chasing after their pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I want to tell you, you've found it. You've got it. And that God will meet every need of the human heart. Believe the good news that we are loved is better than you could ever dare hope. That to believe in that good news is to live out of it and toward it. To be in love with the good news is of all glad things in this world, the gladdest thing of all. And you and I need to define ourselves radically as Christians this morning. We've got to say, I am the loved of God. I am the one beloved by God. That is who I am. So that when you live your life this week, then when you start to do the little try-hard stuff that's riddled all through our Christianity today, you will immediately see and sense the Spirit saying, whoa, whoa, no, you are loved by God. Just be taken up in His arms. Just rest yourself back and just be, hear those words, where are you, Adam? Where are you? You're not running away from me, are you? Come to me. And Christ, God walks into that Garden of Eden wanting to take Adam back into his arms. He says, I made you to be my son. And I've lost you. Where are you? Come back to me. I love you. I'm not going to let you go. And we know the gospel. We know how he sent Jesus to restore humanity back to its true humanity. To restore us back to be the men and women of God we were meant to be. This is the true self of the gospel. Accept yourself as the Father's beloved child. Acknowledge that the Father is proud of you. My heavenly dad is proud of me. I make a mess. I sin. I'm imperfect. What does what the Word of God say?s That for God so loved, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes. And believing is not this faith stuff that we go on with in our world today. It's just resting in who God has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. It's just resting in the truth of what He's revealed to you and I. Accept yourself as the Father's beloved child. Acknowledge that the Father is proud of you as a beautiful, Life of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit exposes all the richness of God within you. And all your hiding and pretending, your shallowness and fear can all be dealt with in the amazing love of the Father. And I want to say to you as we wind this all together, don't run away from that love. It is far beyond anything. You know, when the Word of God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, as far as the heavens are above so are my way is higher than yours. God loves you so profoundly more than you and I could ever imagine. If we sat down for a month of Sundays and tried to work it out, His love is deeper than you could ever believe. How amazing and how precious it is! Don't run from it. Don't shut down in your shame and your guilt and your fear and your lack of identity. Just allow those to be smashed by His love. That can take all those things. When, when Peter failed. And he denied Jesus three times. He looked up and he saw the eyes of Jesus. What did he see? All he went out was to weep. I don't believe that Jesus looked at Peter and said, you little boofhead, you failed again. He looked at Jesus and loved him. When we fail, he looks at us in love. You're his child and nothing, nothing is going to stop him from drawing you in to that love. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so embrace the exposure. exposure, Own it. Take responsibility for the the brokenness that's in us that's true. And in the midst of all the pain of even our spiritual being, then look to the Father's face and realize that his love is unconditional. It's receiving the Father's love. Come unto me. Believe in the Father's love. Show me where and when and how I'm not receiving the Father in my life. Is it an area of guilt in me? Is it an area of shame? Is it an area of fear that's holding me back? Is it an area of not understanding my identity as being a child of God? Wherever it is, lay them at, the, at Christ himself and realize he's already dealt with them. And uh, let's make sure we enter in to this amazing love. Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we're capable of change. Shame derives its power from being unspeakable and those who have a strong sense of love and belonging have the courage to be imperfect. Oh God I thank you. I stand here as an imperfect human being loved by a dad whose love never fails me and every time I thought even as I was thinking of preaching on Friday. I thought I haven't had a chance to get all my thoughts together yet. The father says, whose message is it, yours or mine? And so I just went on with my grandchildren and loved the week, had a great week. I'm here today living out of life because my God is real. Yes, I prepare my messages. That's true. But what I want to say to you is we all have a knack of thinking what do I have to do when in actual fact It's what God has already done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. And just before we pray, some of you have seen that book, The Parable of the Dancing God. My God's a dancing God. He loves dancing. I met my wife Betty at a dance, so I can recommend it. And uh, we've been married 47 years, so it's been going fairly steady. And in this book here, it's a parable of the dancing God, the God that you read about in the Luke 15 of the prodigal God, not so much the prodigal son, but the prodigal God, like Tim Keller writes about. I want you to feel free, they're out there in a box, to take one, or if you've got one, you'd like to give to somebody else. Uh, you know, I want you to take it, because I want you, one man said to me this morning, I, I close with this, one man said to me this morning, you know, I've got this friend, and he just said he's had such a hell on, of life on this earth, he can't wait to get to heaven. And I said, wrong wrong, wrong, because right here in these final words of the Song of Song, it puts it all together for you, you listen to these final little words and it says this, verse 6 and 7 of chapter 8, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore, this living consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love, my love is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire, the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this love. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield yourself to this furious fire until it won't even seem like a sacrifice to you anymore. This burning fire the furious love of God is that which will burn up every hurt and every pain of this world. And right here and now, today, he will take you into a love affair that you will never cease to be amazed and stand back and say, wow, God, you are so amazingly more wonderful than my highest hopes and dreams. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for the gospel. We want to thank you for, for God so loved he gave his only son, that Christ would come to reveal the Father. And isn't it amazing how, Father, when we read the writings of the Apostle Paul, the central theme of the writing of Paul is sonship, of belonging. It's not sinship, but sonship. It's predominantly 170 times in the Apostle Paul he refers to sonship that we, are bec- we have become a child of God, sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. We belong to the King of kings. He loves us with a love that nothing can take from us, a power that is more powerful than any force in the world. And I remember it is it's quoted of Napoleon that they once asked him who was the greatest ruler who ever ruled, and Napoleon said, Jesus Christ. And I said, why do you say him? Because we all rule by force, but he ruled by love. Father, rule by love over this project congregation, rule by love. It's more powerful than any army, any force, any enemy, any opposition we ever face. God bless these precious children of yours. It's your heart to do so. I leave them in your hands. Amen.